0: us as a result of that. Amen. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, the children of Jacob. Uh, We uh, spoke last week about Jacob, the journey from Jacob to Israel. I want to speak specifically about the children of Jacob uh, because I feel like there are some uh, matters that are very pertinent to uh, the way that God dealt with his people through the years particularly as it relates to the uh, life of Jacob and to the children of Jacob. Now, we know he became Israel, and, um, and so his children became Israel, uh, and their children became Israel. Amen. And so Israel was one man. Uh, then Israel uh, became 12 men, and then those uh, 12 men produced families, uh, and then those families became tribes of those men, and, uh, and Israel became a nation. And so they, of course, were the beneficiaries of the great blessing of the Lord that rested upon Abraham and Isaac and, yes, Jacob. And so uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and um, I, I want to revisit something we talked about last week just to give you some insight I'm just going to tell you the premise of what I'm going to be talking about tonight. I want to show the connection between Israel's sons, Jacob, his, his children. And I want to show you the connection between his children and the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, I believe that God uh, outlined the history of Israel as it would lead up to the coming of Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh to save his people from their sins, and that this was foretold in the, uh, in the uh, birth uh, of his children, births of his children. Remember that the scriptures testify of Jesus Christ. And so anything and everything that you read in the word of the Lord, it is, it is foretelling The coming of jesus christ in some way or another and the birth of jacob's children is no different so we're going to look here to the word of the lord and and see some special things before we do let me remind you that jacob producing children was a a very important matter this was one of the ways that god was going to fulfill his promise to abraham and to isaac and even to jacob they were going to have children now remember, each of their wives were barren. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. Uh, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, was barren. And uh, Jacob's wife, Rachel, was also barren. So the promise of God had a lot of hurdles to go through and get over in order for it to be true and for it to come to pass. So just because a set of circumstances seem impossible, you should not think that means that the promise of God cannot come to pass. Because God is a miracle-working God. And his promise is greater than the obstacles that stand in its way. And Jacob found this to be true. Now, uh, let's remember together that Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob saw Rachel. And when he saw her, he was smitten by her. And he loved her. And he wanted to marry her. And Laban, her father, said, You can, but you will have to be with her, uh, you'll have to serve me seven years for uh, her, and he did that. And in those seven years, he ended up uh, not marrying Rachel, but ended up marrying Leah. Now, Leah was not, she was not as uh, beautiful as Rachel, she was not as appealing to Jacob as Rachel. And so Jacob was rather disappointed because it was not Leah that he was, he was looking for, he was looking for Rachel, but he ended up with Leah. Okay, I'm going to just tell you that that is similar to what happened with God and His people. Because God saw a relationship with His people where He could put His law in their hearts and they could be in communion with Him. That is what God loves. That is what God desires. That is what God has always wanted. That's what He told Moses That he wanted. I want to have a relationship with my people. Where I can be in communion with them. In communication with them. And I can put my law in their hearts. And and so God wanted that in the same way Jacob wanted Rachel. But that's not what God got. God got a group of people who said we don't want that. We would rather Moses retrieve from you your precepts. Your commands. Bring it to us and then uh, we'll try our best to do what you told us to do well that's not appealing to god that's not at all what god had in mind god had in mind a beautiful relationship a beautiful connection a beautiful communion with his people and he ended up not with the law of the lord on their hearts but the law of moses in their hands anybody remember what moses did when he had all ten commandments on tablets of stone In his hands, he came down from the mountain, saw the people who were committing such flagrant sins and violations of God's laws. And it made him so angry that they would worship a heathen God, a golden idol, instead of the God who had just delivered them from Egypt, that he threw the tablets of stone to the ground and shattered them. So you can literally say Moses broke all ten commandments at the same time. Okay, And when he did, God said, come back up into the mountain. We're going to do this over. But this time, I don't want you to hold my commandments in your hands. I want you to put my commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where they were kept. And that's where they were stored. And that's where they were, were able to be preserved. If you want to keep the commandments of God, it's going to have to be done in covenant and not merely with your fleshly hands. If you try to keep his commandments with your fleshly efforts and with your fleshly manipulation, you are going to break them every time. The moment a flashing rage comes across, you'll throw them to the ground and they'll they'll shatter but put them in covenant. That's what we experience when we repent of our sins, are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. We are entering into covenant with God. That's where the commandment of the Lord can be kept. And and, and that's really the only place where the commandment of the Lord can be kept. And so uh, we see God said, okay, you're going to, you're going to uh, try your best to keep my law? Well, that's, that's Leah. That's not what I wanted. I wanted Rachel. I wanted the beautiful communion with my people. So this is similar to what uh, Jacob experienced. He got Leah instead of Rachel. And, and so that's how the story of Jacob's effort to bring forth children begins. Now I, want to, I want to bring to you the, the uh, account of Jacob giving his wife, Leah, his wife, Rachel, and even their handmaidens, Zilpah and Bilhah, uh, giving birth to the children of Jacob. I want to give to you that scriptural account, and I want to liken it to the nation of Israel and their, uh, their history, their development as a people and how it led to the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. Now, it is not uncommon for the children of Jacob to be listed in the Word of God for prophetic purposes. As a matter of fact, we're going to be reading from Genesis 29 and chapter 30 as well. But in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob brought his children together while he lay about ready to pass off the scene. And he said to them, this is how it shall be in the latter days. And he began to speak to them prophetically about what it would be like in the latter days. So it's not uncommon. In fact, every time that all the tribes of Israel are referenced, it always has a spiritual significance. I don't think it's any different in Genesis chapter 29 and Genesis chapter 30. So we're going to begin. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 32. Now remember, God... This is Leah that he's with, or Jacob rather. This is Jacob with Leah. It's not who he wanted necessarily, but it is what he has. This is not ideal, but this is what he is working with. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 32. Verse 31 I'm going to read as well. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, okay? Listen to that. When the Lord saw That Leah was hated. That's a very important word when he saw that Leah was hated. He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Rachel cannot bring forth any children yet. But the Lord looks upon Leah, sees that she is hated, and he opens her womb. Verse 32, And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said surely the lord hath looked upon that's an important word it's related to the word saw the lord saw that she was hated the lord looked upon my affliction now therefore my husband will love me so she named her child reuben reuben simply means to see there are 3 references to the lord seeing leah in this in these verses of scripture the lord saw leah The Lord looked upon her affliction, and so she named her son Reuben, which means to see. Now, I'm going to turn your attention to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And I want you to notice this conversation the Lord is having with Moses. Because I believe that the birth order of Jacob's children was prophetic concerning the history of Israel as it would unfold. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. Verse number 6, we're going to read verse number 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. When Leah had her child Reuben, she specifically said that this son represents the fact that the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. The Lord told Moses in Exodus 3:7, "I have seen the affliction of my people. I submit to you that the naming of Reuben and the birth of Reuben was a prophetic foretelling of the fact that God was going to look upon the affliction of His people. And He was going to respond. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 33. She conceived again in Genesis 29 verse 33 and bare a son and said, Behold, the Lord hath heard that I was hated. So the Lord hath seen her affliction And he hath heard that she was hated. He hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Simeon means hearing. So Reuben was named Reuben because God had seen her affliction. Simeon was named Simeon because the Lord had heard that she was hated. Therefore she gave her this son and she named him Simeon. Verse Number seven of Exodus chapter 3, the Lord said, "I have surely seen, that's Reuben, the affliction of my people which are born which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I submit to you that the birth of Reuben and Simeon very well could be a prophetic foretelling of when the Lord, saw the affliction of the children of Israel in Egypt and heard their cry. Thus, Leah named the first two children of Jacob by Leah, seeing and hearing. Now, the next child that she brought forth, in Genesis chapter 29, verse 34, she conceived again and bare a son. And said, "Now this time, this time, will my husband be joined unto me?" Notice she's trying to get his attention. The Lord hath seen my affliction; the Lord hath heard my that I was hated. In Exodus three seven, the Lord had seen their affliction, and the Lord had heard their cry by reason of bondage. Now in Genesis twenty nine, this is hundreds of years earlier, by the way. That this all took place. And you see the desperation of Leah. She wants Jacob's attention. She wants Jacob's affection. Jacob is not interested in her and she feels it. And she feels hated by him. She feels the resentment he has toward Laban for cheating him and deceiving him. And she senses it and she's trying her best to have some kind of a connection to Jacob. And she says, now, this time, will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons, therefore was his name called Levi, which means attached. And she said, now, because I have borne him three sons, surely my husband will feel connected to me. He will feel that we have communion that we are meant to be together, that we are joined together, that we are, he will love me because of what I have done. Levi represents the law. I submit to you that Levi's birth was actually a foretelling, that there would be a law put in place. The law would be a schoolmaster, but it would not be, it would not be that special mystical, magical opportunity that people think it will be. People think they can earn the love of God. There is nothing you can do that will cause you to earn the love of God. This is what you have to understand about the love of God. And we've said it many times. I want to say it again till we believe it. We all believe it and understand it. That the love of God is not something we earn. It's something He gives. It's not a wage, it's a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But here Levi is born, and Leah is saying, now he's going to love me. And, And in the case of Israel's history, this law was put into place, and they truly thought like Leah thought. That somehow through the keeping of this law, somehow through our very best efforts and through our very best intentions, we're going to be able to secure that beautiful communion with God. The best efforts of man fall dramatically short of the glory of God. your, Your very best deeds are still not good in comparison to the goodness of God. Your holiest of actions are still unholy in comparison to the holiness of God. And so Levi is born and Israel experiences this receiving of the law of Moses and it comes with with commands and then it not only has commandments but it has ordinances and it has statutes. And these ordinances contain the details and they are far more detailed than what they need to be because if it was genuinely something that was in their heart, the details would not be something that had to be stipulated in ordinances. See, when something's not in somebody's heart, you've got to cover all the loopholes because they're going to find a way to break that law. That's the way it was in the law of Moses. Moses would say thou shalt not commit adultery and so they would find a way to to find a loophole and and Jesus addressed it when he was walking this earth he said if you look upon a woman and lust after her you've committed adultery already in your heart adultery is not something just that is of the of the action it's also something of the heart And so the same with killing you, you, you think you've not killed because you've not physically taken a person's life, but when you hate somebody, you've killed them in your heart. And he said, I'm, I'm here to deal with the heart issues. And, and so, so this is the way the law of Moses worked because, because it wasn't in somebody's heart. It was, it was needful then that there were a wide variety of ordinances put in place so he couldn't just say thou shalt not commit adultery he had to go to the very detail of you can't adulterate anything at all ever you cannot adulterate your fields you can't sow soybeans near corn you can't you can't mix wool with linen so if you've ever looked at the old testament law and you're like man that's pretty harsh who cares if wool is mixed with linen It's because there was no law of God in their heart. So the law had to cover every single aspect of their life because it wasn't in their heart. When the law of God is in your heart, you're not looking for loopholes. When the law of God is in your heart, you don't need a bunch of ordinances that say, don't, 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 don't. You don't need it. All you need is for the law of God to be in your heart and you seek him and serve him and obey his word and his Holy Spirit lives within you and governs your every thought, your every deed, your every action, your every relationship. Praise God. But Levi is born and Leah is thinking, well now I'm going to really get my husband to love me. Surely He will look upon my efforts. Surely He will look upon my goodness. Surely He will see how much I have accomplished for Him and He will love me. That's the attitude of the Israelites in the law of Moses. And it lasted for many, many generations where they, they tried but failed and tried but failed and tried but failed to live up to the level of perfection that the law requires. So the Bible says in Genesis chapter 29... In verse 35, she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I love it. He hath seen my affliction. He hath heard that I was hated. He, hath, he will surely love me now. And, 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 and in, in every case, none of, those, none of those children brought her any closer to Jacob. So she said, you know what? I'm just going to praise the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah anyhow. I don't know what you're going through, but it's time to say I'm just going to praise the Lord. You may be afflicted. You may be hated. Your very best efforts may not have amounted to as much as you'd hope they would, but praise the Lord anyhow. Give him glory anyway. Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. I'm going to submit to you that, prophetically speaking, it would make sense that this would bring the children of Israel from the days of the law and into the tabernacle of David, who was, of course, of the tribe of Judah. And, And the tabernacle of David was a special place. This was a tabernacle that he established where that the ark of God would dwell. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading at the 11th verse. The ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings and David danced before the Lord with all his might. This is Judah, ladies and gentlemen. This This is Leah saying, Now will I praise the Lord. She called his name Judah. He danced before the Lord with all his might. Verse 15, So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Maybe she didn't utter the words then, but she despised him in her heart. you got to be careful what's going on in your heart. You may think you've got your behavior down pat, but you better be careful what's going on in your heart. Because God looks upon the heart. And God trieth the hearts of men. Praise the Lord. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. She despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle. That David had pitched for it, and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. She brought forth a son and called his name Judah, saying, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Now when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, she envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And so the children of Israel live in this this experience of the tabernacle of David for a while. Uh, And it was a glorious time in Israel's history. It is when David established his kingdom It is when Solomon, his son, began to rule and reign over his kingdom. And the fame of his wisdom and his kingdom and his temple particularly, it went throughout all the world. So much so that the Bible says the queen of the south came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. This was a glorious time in the history of Israel. And we see Rachel Rising up, the thing God, the one that God truly desired. This beautiful communion. You see her, you see her emerge with with desire. And that's what you saw in David. David was reaching outside of his time frame, if you please, by dancing before the Lord and and giving praise unto God. And 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 so Rachel, the Bible says that she gave unto Jacob her handmaid Bilhah. And Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, listen, Rachel said, God hath judged me. She named him Dan. God hath judged me. And I want you to know that as David's kingdom gave way to Solomon's kingdom and Solomon's kingdom gave way to Rehoboam, there was a pending judgment from God that would come upon Israel because Israel had turned from the precepts of God. Solomon's wives turned his heart To uh, serve other gods now we're dealing with the Old Testament here and sometimes people look at the Old Testament and they think why did those why did those men have so many wives well they didn't have the Holy Ghost that's why they had a bunch of wives they didn't have the Holy Ghost they did they weren't washed in the blood of the lamb and so the Bible says that the times of this ignorance God once winked at it but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent don't look at the Old Testament as a picture of moral purity. Now there were righteous men and there were righteous women who, who, who stepped into a role of faith and righteousness with God, but there are a lot of mistakes made along the way because they were trying to live their life for God and they were doing so without the guidance of the Holy Spirit living within them. And so you see a lot of mistakes and you see a lot of uh, problems that exist, and, and this is one of them. And so Jacob uh, is, is, is given Bilhash, She conceives and brings forth a, a son, Dan. God hath judged me. 1 Kings chapter 14. We see the judgment of God come upon the children of Israel. David's kingdom gave way to Solomon. Solomon's gave way to Rehoboam. It's the same kingdom of the same lineage. But God is not happy, verse 7 of 1 Kings 14. He's not happy because they have turned their hearts to worship other gods. Verse 7 of 1 Kings chapter 14. Go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, For as much as I exalted thee from among the people, and made thee prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David, and gave it thee, yet thou hast not been as my servant David. So God said, I rent the kingdom out of David's hands. I rent the kingdom out of Solomon and Rehoboam. And and I I judged the people. And I, I let you rise up as a prince, but you have not been as my servant, David. You have not kept my commandments. You have not followed me with all your heart to do that which was right in my eyes. You've done evil above all that were before thee. For thou hast gone and made thee other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and hast cast me behind thy back. So this is, this is God talking to Jeroboam. David was king. His son Solomon became king. Solomon's son Rehoboam became king. And because the people of Israel were sinful The kingdom divided. Rehoboam was the king of Judah. Jeroboam became the king of Israel. Rehoboam was the king of two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Jeroboam was the king of ten tribes. And and so God rent the kingdom. God judged them just as Rachel said concerning Bilhah's offspring from Jacob. God hath judged me. And so the kingdom is rent. And notice what the Lord tells Jeroboam. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as a man taketh away dung till it be all gone. He is telling Jeroboam, there is judgment coming upon you just like there was judgment that came upon Rehoboam. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe it was foretold when Dan was born, God hath judged me verse 8 of genesis chapter 30 the bible says rachel or verse 7 bilhah rachel's maid conceived again bear jacob a second son verse number eight rachel said with great wrestlings have i wrestled with my sister and i have prevailed and she called his name naphtali the wrestling there was a wrestling between rachel and leah and Rachel feels like she's got an advantage finally because her handmaid is being productive when Rachel could not be. And and the first son that Bilhah brought forth was Dan. The second is Naphtali with great wrestlings. This, I believe, is a foretelling of the great wrestlings that would occur between Israel and Judah. That Israel and Judah would be divided, they would be judged, and there would be Wrestlings between them. First Kings chapter 15 and verse number 1. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem. His name, mother's name was Micah, the daughter of Abishalom. Verse number 6 there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days. Of his life 1st Kings 15 and 6 there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life great wrestlings between me and my sister Leah's handmaid Zilpah enters the picture because Leah has left bearing she did not bear immediately after Judah she bore Reuben Simeon Levi and Judah and she left bearing Verse number 11 of Genesis chapter 30. Verse 10, Zilpah, Leah's maid, bear Jacob a son. Verse 11, Leah said, A troop cometh. A troop cometh. And she called his name Gad. A troop cometh. Daniel chapter 1. Because Israel stayed in a position of being divided. They wrestled with one another, Israel and Judah. They were divided. They had been judged. The judgment of God was coming upon them to such a degree that now a troop was coming. Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. In the day that Gad was born, the Lord said, A troop cometh. And in Daniel chapter 1 verse 1, the troop did in fact Come, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Okay, that's that's happening now. Zilpah. Brings forth Gad, a troop cometh. But Zilpah bears a second son. And Leah said concerning this son, His name shall be called Asher, which means happy. The troop came, but we're going to be happy. Happy am I, for the daughter, the daughters will call me blessed. And she named him Asher, the daughters will call me blessed. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. Verse 4, rather. Concerning these children that were carried into captivity. Concerning, concerning these people that, that fell victim and prey to the troop that came. Verse number 4. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge. I'm just going to tell you what, what, what I believe. God was foretelling in the birth of Asher that even though a troop would come, even though they would be called into captivity, they were going to prosper. See, that's what happy means in the word of God. It means prosperity. They were going to prosper even in that captivity. You see that in the life of Esther. You see that in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see that in the life of Nehemiah. You see that in the life of Daniel. Even though they were in captivity, God made them to prosper. Daniel chapter 1 verse 4 describes this prosperity. They were skillful in all wisdom. They were cunning in knowledge, understanding science, such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah... Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Or as we call them, Daniel, and Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. But Daniel, verse 8, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now we're going to look down at verse number 14. So he consented to them in this manner and proved them for 10 days. Verse 15. At the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh. Amen, I must have been on this diet. It's starting to make sense of some things. (laughs) Fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. These people excelled, they developed prosperity. They were happy even though the troop came. The Lord favored them and blessed them. And he foretold it when Asher was born to Jacob. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 30. And let's read again. This time we're going to read at verse 19. Because between verses 13 and 19 the Bible says the wheat harvest came. And when the wheat harvest came, they were they were there was a conversation between Rachel and Leah and Rachel received of Reuben's mandrakes in the field at wheat harvest came to Leah and the bible says that Leah gave her of the mandrakes of Reuben but but the deal was that she would be able to have relationship with Jacob and the bible says that Leah God hearkened under Leah, in verse 17, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. Verse 18, Leah said, God hath given me my hire. God hath given me my hire. Do you see what happened? This is going back to when Levi was born. When Levi was born. Now will my husband be joined unto me. In verse number 18, God hath given me my hire. This is her trying to earn again the favor of her husband. This is what Israel continued to do, trying to earn the favor of the Lord. This is a restitution of the law of Moses. They lost contact with the law of Moses in their years of captivity. But they restored the law when they rebuilt the temple. They restored the law when they rebuilt the wall. And in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 8, I want to read to you just a few verses of Scripture. Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning with verse number 5. We're going to read here where that Nehemiah begins to restore the law of God to the children of Israel, along with Ezra. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. This is verse, we're going to go to chapter 8, verse 5, verse 6. They bowed their heads, worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground, verse number 8. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. This was something they were supposed to be doing every single year. But they stopped doing it every single year when they were in captivity. But now they're out of captivity, or they're they're still dealing with it, but they are restoring the law of God. And the way that they're restoring the law of God is through Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites giving the sense and the understanding of the law of God. And here we see the correlation to Issachar being born, the Lord shall give me my hire. Verse number 19. Leah conceived again and bare Jacob the sixth son. Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me. Now I believe that this is a reference to when the Lord began to open the womb of Mary and began to put his own word into her womb. The Lord hath endued me with a good gift or a good dowry, and now my husband will dwell with me. This is what the Lord told Joseph when he, the angel of the Lord said that Mary would conceive. He said his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us now this is all still outside this is all still under adverse and non-ideal circumstances this is still Leah you see when the Lord came into the earth he didn't come into the earth he didn't come into the earth under a under the, 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 the span of grace necessarily or the new covenant or the new testament he came into the earth under the old covenant When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're reading a life lived under the Old Covenant. The New Covenant did not begin until the testator had died. The New Covenant did not begin until the blood was shed, until he gave up the ghost. The New Covenant didn't begin until the temple, the the, the veil in the temple was rent. The New Covenant didn't begin until the lamb was sacrificed. And Jesus is he dies and is buried and rises again from the dead. This is what allowed the new covenant to come into place. So when, when Mary is endued with a good gift, the Holy Ghost overshadows her and puts inside of her the word of God, praise the Lord, which would walk this earth. Just as the voice of God walked in the Garden of Eden, the word of God would walk this earth. And, and it was foretold, I believe, in Genesis chapter 30 when Issachar, or rather or rather, when, when Zebulon was born and the Lord endued her with a good gift and now her husband will dwell with her, God with us. Hallelujah. She kept these things Mary did and pondered them in her heart. Okay, the next child that Leah brought forth was not a son. The next child was a girl. And this little girl's name was Dinah. And Dinah's name means justice. And this young lady, Dinah, was a beautiful young lady. And she was looked upon by a man named Shechem. And Shechem desired her, and he took her, and he defiled her. And the defilement of her was such a violation, such a terrible act of treachery and barbarism, But he, after this act, he wanted to marry her. He began to feel love for her, and he wanted to marry her, and asked if he could marry her. And the Bible says that Simeon and Levi told him. Simeon and Levi. Now remember, this goes back to the law. Levi. Simeon and Levi tell him, you can have her, but every man must be circumcised. Every man has to come under the law as we know it. This was the instruction that they gave to the men of Shechem. So they did this. Circumcision took place. Every man was weakened by this this act, by this treatment. Simeon and Levi moved in and they wreaked such havoc and murder and killed those men as retribution for what they had done to their sister Dinah or justice. It was so bad that, 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 that it affected Simeon and Levi for years and generations later. To the point that Jacob couldn't even bless them the way he wanted to bless them. He said, instruments of cruelty are in your hands. You took retribution, you took vengeance, you took revenge. And you, you perpetrated a, a, an act of revenge that, that, that nobody could ever even imagine. And I want you to understand that that's very similar to what happened when Jesus was on the scene of this earth. When he walked this earth, justice was defiled justice had been violated justice had fallen in the streets justice was not able to thrive it was broken it was bloodied it was wounded but after people had 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 perpetrated their violation of justice they wanted to make it right and when they wanted to make it right simon and levi or experts of the law Of Moses stood up and said, the only way you can make it right is if you practice the tenets of the law. And when they tried to do it, they failed like they had always failed. See, the law was perfect, but it was weak through the flesh. They failed as they had always failed. And here came the vengeance. And here came the condemnation and here came the self-righteousness and here came the condescension and Simeon and Levi in the form of Pharisees in the form of Sadducees in the forms of form of scribes began to point at them and say you failed you failed you tried but you failed you aren't keeping the law you aren't doing it right that's the world Jesus entered into a world where justice was violated a world where justice was defiled a world where justice had been broken down and where Simeon and Levi were exacting revenge, or Pharisees and Sadducees, if you please, those practitioners and experts of the law. But verse 22 says this of Genesis chapter 30, God remembered Rachel. God remembered Rachel. God remembered what he always desired to have with humanity. God remembered that special relationship that he always wanted to have with humanity and god hearkened to her and opened her womb and she conceived and bare a son and said god hath taken away my reproach these sons these sons were going to be different than all of the other sons Because all of the other sons were sons of Leah. All of the other sons were sons of Zilpah. All the other sons were sons of, of Bilhah. They were the sons of Jacob, but through Leah, Zilpah, and Bilhah. But these are the sons of Rachel. These are the sons of God's ultimate desire. These are the sons of God's ultimate quest to have peace and harmony and communion with man. And she called his name Joseph. And said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Joseph came into the world and his name meant, I'm not the only one. There's another one coming after me. There's another one who is going to be born. And when we look at the book of Romans chapter 8, we understand that Jesus Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. When you look at the life of Joseph, you're looking at a type of the life of Jesus Christ. From the 20 pieces of silver which resulted in his being betrayed and the 30 pieces of silver that resulted in Jesus being betrayed. From the pit he was cast into to the borrowed tomb that Jesus was cast into. From the coat of many colors that Joseph wore to the favor of God that was upon Jesus Christ. It is a picture of the life of Jesus Christ. But he didn't just enter this world to be a good man in this world alone he came to add other sons to as many as received him to them gave he power hallelujah to become the sons of God the world when he came to the world the world knew him not when he came into his own his own received him not Just like Joseph, when he came to his own and he told them his plans, his own rejected him. His own sent him away. That's what happened when Jesus came to his own. His own rejected him. His own sent him away. Just as the brothers of Joseph sold him into slavery, Judas sold Jesus into the hands of the chief priests and the Pharisees. Just as Joseph was cast into exile, Jesus was crucified. Hallelujah. All throughout the life of Joseph, you see that mirror image of Jesus. Just, just as Joseph had the opportunity to forgive his brothers, Jesus, look at the mercy Jesus has shown to anybody and everybody. You can't commit a sin that Jesus won't show you mercy if you will turn from your wickedness. He will remember your wickedness no more. (laughs) Repentance isn't you coming to God saying, I'm sorry I did that. Repentance is you turning from your wicked ways. Praise God. Praise God and we see this demonstrated in the life of Jesus Christ just as we saw it demonstrated in the life of Joseph oh hallelujah and i want you to know ladies and gentlemen when joseph came into this world he came with a specific a specific role and that was to foreshadow the life of the Messiah who would come to this earth. He was the son of Rachel. He was the result of God's original love. Just as Joseph was the son of of Jacob's original desire, Jesus Christ is the result of God's original desire to bless His people and to be in communion with His people. But He's not the only one. He came to be the firstborn among many brethren. You know why the Bible calls him the son of God? Because he's come to make us the sons of God. He's the only begotten son of God. That's not who we are. We're not. He's the only begotten son of God. But he has come to be the firstborn among many brethren. Genesis chapter 35 and verse number 18. Genesis chapter 35 and verse number 18. We're going to say this, verse number 16. They journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And Rachel, it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. Do you know what Benoni means? Benoni means the son of pain. That's what it looked like at first. When the other brothers started to come. When the firstborn among many brethren gave way to the other brothers that would come onto the scene. It looked like the son of pain. The martyrs. The persecuted people. Those who laid down their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was pain. It was hard labor. Rachel died. It was so difficult. The labor was so hard to bring this forth. It was so hard. It it involved death. But the Bible says that she named him Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin, or Benjamin, which means the son of my right hand or power. It reminds me of when Stephen was preaching to the children of Israel. Really for the last time in Acts chapter 7, before the gospel went to the Samaritans, before the gospel went to the house of Cornelius, before the gospel went to the Ephesians and the the Thessalonians and the Colossians and the Galatians and and the Corinthians, before it went to the the far-flung nations of the earth, God was giving Israel another opportunity. To receive the gospel. And Stephen, that great evangelist, is preaching the gospel. And what's he doing? He's telling them that the whole Old Testament gives you this history. And it was all leading to the point that Jesus would come into the world. Just as I've attempted to do tonight to show you in one small microcosm. A way that the Old Testament foretold the coming of Jesus Christ. And all that would happen leading up to his coming. Stephen said that in Acts chapter 7. You you think you know the scriptures, but but all through the scriptures of the Old Testament, there was so much life that was lived. There were so many prophecies that were told. There were so many things that occurred that brought about the entrance of Jesus Christ. And finally, finally, he said, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. He said, just as your fathers, you resist the Holy Ghost. You're stiff-necked. And uncircumcised in heart. You think you've taken care of that matter of circumcision by the flesh. But it's a matter of the heart. And you're stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart. You do always resist the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. And they picked up stones. To stone him. When he looked up. He saw, he said, I see the heavens open and I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Hallelujah. He was experiencing pain. They gnashed on him with their teeth. They cast stones in his direction. He was the son of pain. But in the middle of the son of pain, the father lifted him up and said, you will not be the son of pain. You will not be Benoni, you will be Benjamin, the son of my right hand. You know, it was not Rachel who got to name that son. These mothers named all the children, Leah and Rachel named each child. And when it came down to the end, when Rachel was trying to name the last son, and she, in the haste of her pain, in the brokenness of her departing from this life, she said, his name is Benoni, the son of pain. But the father swept in and said, we're going to make an adjustment here. He will not be the son of pain. He will be the son of my right hand. He will be the son of power. And I want you to know that in this last day, we don't get to label what's going on according to how we feel or according to what we're going through according to the pain of our labor according to the hardness of our delivery we've got to let God put his name on this we've got to let God call this what it is and if you can hear the voice of God you'll hear him say my power is going to be manifest my glory is going to be manifest in all of this Come on, Rachel. I know it's been hard. I know it's been difficult. But let the Father name what's happening right now. And if you'll let the Father name him, he's going to say, He's the son of my right hand. He's the son of my power. He's not the son of pain. He's the son of power. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to let God name your circumstances even right now. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, come on, take your hand off of it and let God tell you what it is. Let God tell you how it's going to be. Hallelujah. Come on, there's a purpose in everything you're experiencing. There's a purpose in everything you're experiencing. I'm coming to a close. You can stand with me. Hallelujah. 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 Let me tell you what, I'm, what I really want to tell you. I want to tell you this. This is what I'm trying to share. And I, I know it's been, a, I know it's been a, a, a long path to get there. But I want to tell you what I'm really trying to say to you. Number one, Jesus is Lord. And it has been foretold from the beginning in so many different ways, in so many different accounts of the Scripture. It is all one singular message that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. And He's the Savior of all mankind. And here's here's what I also want us to understand and what I want us to take as a practical application in our own lives. That when you give your life to God and you stand in covenant with Him, everything that happens in your life is designed to bring you into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Whether it's Rachel who can't bear children, it's designed to bring you into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Whether it's Leah who feels hated and despised and rejected, it's to bring you into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Whether it's you feeling like nobody sees you or hears you or knows what you're going through, it's to bring you into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing in your past. Patience possess ye your soul. In your patience possess ye your soul. hallelujah hallelujah Woo, Hallelujah! I think somebody ought to have a Judah moment and say I don't know what else can be said right now but I'll tell you what I'm going to do right now now I will praise the Lord now I will lift my heart in thanksgiving unto him ah. Woo, hallelujah hallelujah I want to know if there's anybody who knows what it feels like for the Lord to look upon your affliction how many know what it feels like for the Lord to hear your cry how many knows what it's like for your very best intentions to still fall short of the glory of God but God never leaves your side he continues to lead you and guide you and comfort you and be with you hallelujah glory to God hallelujah He wants to bring Jesus into your life. Praise God. Those who who know Jesus, could you just lift your hands unto him and praise his name? If you know Jesus, go ahead and praise his name right now. If you know his mercy, if you know his grace, if you know his goodness, you know his kindness, hallelujah. If you want to know Jesus and don't know him, come on, lift your hands and praise him right now. If you know him a little bit and want to know him more fully, go ahead and praise his name right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hey, friend, if justice has been violated in your life, if justice has fallen in the streets, if justice is nowhere to be found, and you feel cheated and you feel bruised and broken by life, I want you to know God remembers Rachel. And he's about to open the womb of his original purpose in your life. Hallelujah. And he's gonna bring forth, he's gonna bring forth the power and the glory of Jesus Christ into your life. Come on, give it to him. Don't stray from the path. Give it all to Jesus today. Give it all to Jesus today. Give it all to Jesus today give it all to Jesus oh praise God praise God (laughs) hallelujah this whole Bible this whole Old Testament it's all about Jesus and if you'll come into covenant with him its words will be played out and lived in your life so when the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want that's the Old Testament but that's a foretelling of Jesus he maketh me to lie down in green pastures; he leadeth me beside the still waters. This is when everybody's singing his praises and talking about the man from Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth. He restoreth my soul; he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name'sake. But then the tide started turning, and popular opinion started shifting. And people started developing negative feelings about him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. This is him down the Via Dolorosa. This is him walking to Calvary's hill of sorrow. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me. This is Jesus being foretold by the psalmist, the prophet David. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. This is the cup that Jesus asked if it could be passed from him that he wouldn't have to drink it. Behold in the hand of the Lord there is a cup and in it is a fury a mixture of rage and fury and Jesus said I don't want that cup. Nevertheless not my will but thy will be done. My cup runneth over surely thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Woo! <laughs> All the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, let me tell somebody something right now. The way Psalm 23 starts is this, the Lord is my shepherd. The way it ends is I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. in between there are valleys there are paths there are there's there's a rod and a staff there's a cup there are enemies there's a table in the presence of enemies there's all kind of stuff that happens in between but if you'll start with the Lord is my shepherd you know how it's going to end up it's going to end up with I will dwell in I don't know what's going to happen in between, but it doesn't matter what happens in between because he's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the ending. He's the first. He's the last. The Lord is my shepherd. I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Come on, somebody. I want somebody that's in the middle of the valley somebody that's in the middle maybe maybe it's Dan maybe it's God's judgment you're feeling right now hallelujah come on come on give him praise in this house seek his face in this house worship him in this house he's got a plan for you he's got a plan for your life the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord hallelujah come on God wants to touch somebody's life right now God wants to bless somebody right now Cross, I bow my knee, <laughs> Where your blood was shed for oh, me. Oh, yes. There's no cleaner. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. You have overcome the grave. Your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me now? Oh, at the cross, I bow my knees. Where you're...